afternoon's lesson and what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're not going to talk about a, a whole lot from the Bible in particular as far as a matter of verses. Um, but as I mentioned this morning, the uh, question comes up from time to time about you know, what we should discuss, whether or not the calendar should sort of matter uh, as to what we talk about, <clears throat> maybe not necessarily talking about mothers or fathers on those particular days or other things, but yet other times uh, it may be important for us to consider something that's going on in the world around us. It's possible that Christians have questions, and uh, I stand before you this afternoon certainly as no kind of medical expert, uh, but also not even, I would say, in a sense, uh, a biblical expert, uh, but just trying to understand, as we all are, what God has to say about certain things. And as we always say, we are trying to be in the world, um, but not of the world. We're trying to help those who have questions. Uh, you would have to be, you know, kind of absent, and some of us pay a little more attention to the news than others. That's certainly the case. Um, but you kind of have to, you know, maybe be absent from it overall to not have caught maybe a little bit of a whiff that something was a little different this week, something was going on, maybe there's some talk about things. Because even if you don't pay attention to the news a lot, <clears throat> maybe you don't sit down and watch the news at night. Of course, newspapers aren't even sent out very much anymore, per se. Uh, but, you know, people on Facebook, social media posts are going on and those kinds of things. And so we are going to talk about a few verses as we get into the lesson. But I thought maybe it would just be important for us to consider... Uh, some of what's going on around us uh, in the world today. You know, I think it was about probably the 10th Sunday that I was here back in 2018 that I had started. I preached a sermon that was one of my father-in-law's, but it's become one of my favorites. I've not done it a lot because uh, not done it here multiple times. But he titled the lesson that God is pro-choice. And it deals with abortion in that particular lesson. Um, of course, as we use the term pro-choice and pro-life, you know, God is not necessarily pro-choice, but he is pro-choice in that we have a choice about things, um, a lot of different things. We can choose how we choose to live and how we make decisions. Uh, then in 2020, not much long before the pandemic started, in January of 2020, uh, I preached a sermon called The Sanctity of Human Life. I remember those. I know when those happen because it's kind of funny. I try to go back and find them on YouTube, and that was pre-YouTube for us here at Saudi. So, you know, I can't go back and find them uh, on YouTube. But I still have my notes or, <clears throat> excuse me, still have uh, the audio versions. We've had audio for a long time, kind of a podcast version of it. Uh, but, yeah, that was right before the pandemic started, and then we were able to get a camera and start some of the live streaming things. And then as this week rolled around, I was trying to remember the last time that I might have mentioned this because it's something that isn't certainly maybe has to be preached about every year or that kind of thing, but it's important to keep it in our mind, especially as we come in contact with people. But it was actually December of last year, uh, of 2021, that I preached on it again because of something that had come up in the news. And so that was kind of why Charles and I had our um, discussion there and kind of joking, because I went back and forth the middle of the week. Well, you know, should I, should I not? You know, what is it important? Does anybody even remember what I talked about last December? I won't make you raise your hand on that. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, does anybody remember us talking about it or not? But this week... Uh, Dr. Brad Harib, many of you know uh, Dr. Harib, or at least of his work, uh, posted on Facebook. He said, I challenge every preacher to, to preach on Sunday about the sanctity of human life, the importance of this particular matter. And that's what kind of got me going and thinking about it and looking at some of his, his notes. And I hope ultimately that you are concerned, that you're concerned and you know maybe not only what is going on, which is not necessarily the most important, but maybe how to discuss with people uh, about this particular matter. Unless you think 
that you won't have issues or that it's not going to come to our doorstep. Uh, I actually received this picture just yesterday. I know you're going to have a hard time seeing it or making it out, but from a friend of mine that preaches in Georgia, and that was a sign that was in the front yard of their church building. And what it says is pro-rapist in front of the church building. It's got a reference to Numbers chapter 5. We're not going to get into that. He was kind of disappointed it wasn't even necessarily a good argument to make there. Uh, but it says pro-rapist. And somebody had left this in the front yard of the church building, staked in the ground to try to make a point, to try to protest that the church there might be preaching against the idea of abortion. So you never know when it'll come up, when somebody uh, might want to discuss things with you. So the question in your title, if you have your outline in front of you, I didn't give you notes to fill in. I wasn't sure exactly what route to take this um, at, during the week. But the question is, why is everyone talking about Roe? Or why is everyone talking about Roe v. Wade? Well, it was Monday night, uh, sometime earlier in the week or on Monday, that there was a report from the newspaper, online newspaper, political kind of website that's entitled Politico that released a 98-page draft from Justice Samuel Alito that seems to suggest <clears throat> that the Supreme Court might be ready to overturn the ruling Roe v. Wade, which took place in 1973. You realize that we're going to be coming up on about 50 years of abortion on demand here in this country. But Roe v. Wade was 1973. You may have heard another name, and again, I don't, I'm not... Don't want to make this, uh, I need to educate you or anything, but I do think people get confused sometimes. If you've been watching the news, you've probably heard the word Roe, which you're familiar with, but you may have also heard the word Casey. I read several articles that talked about Roe and Casey. Well, Planned Parenthood versus Casey was another uh, ruling in 1992 by the Supreme Court that dealt with uh, the idea of abortion. The one you see at the bottom of the screen is actually the one that made me or caused me to speak on this in December of last year, of 2021. The Supreme Court has been, since December 1st of 2021, in discussion about this court case called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. That's Jackson, Mississippi. It started in the Mississippi courts and has gone to the Supreme Court. But it's been the one that's caused the discussion to go on again. And in December 1st, many people were hopeful that the Supreme Court was going to make a ruling that might sort of go against Roe v. Wade from many, many years ago. But those are the three kind of court cases, and the 98-page draft that was released, sort of leaked, I guess, if you will, to the media, uh, dealt with is kind of coming out of the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And so all those are important, and all those have caused this to be brought up again this week. I don't know, some of you are more active on Facebook than others. I mean, some, you know, are very active, some are less. But I've already seen posts. Even this morning, woke up to a post from someone uh, that I'm just friends with on there that was talking about this idea of pro-choice, pro-life, women's rights, and all of these things. And so, again, I thought it would be important for us just to think about it for a few moments. As Christians, how are we to approach this? What should we say? What should we do? That's kind of the question that we want to examine. Let's begin with a couple of things, talking about what this discussion is not, okay? Because sometimes you get caught up with people and you see people arguing on social media or whatever, and they kind of wander off away from the original discussion. Well, let's talk very quickly about a few things that this discussion is not. I don't think, now again, some of this may be my opinion, I don't think it's supposed to be about men's desire to control women. You'll hear people say that. And so it's important to kind of think about that for a moment. Is it true that many leaders in our country, both senators, president, whatever, are men? Yes, that's true. 
They may be making the decision. You'll hear some people say, well, this is all about, you know, these justices who are men, and we know they're not all men anymore, but, but they're all the ones who are trying to make decisions, and they're just trying to control women. It's true that many of the leaders are men. It's also true that women are the people who give birth. Now, isn't it interesting that that's a different discussion even in our country today as well, right? What a man is, what a woman is, who can give birth. But yes, it's true, the way God has designed us, that women are the one who give birth. So naturally, if men are the leaders, women are giving birth, and that's, that may come out of this discussion. Oh, men are just trying to control everything, and they're just trying to deny women health care. But I think what we're trying to say is that's not what this discussion is about. Do we need to talk about health care? I think that's something we need to talk about. Do we need to talk about people's rights and that kind of thing? That can be important. But that's not what the discussion should be about when it comes to the idea of abortion. I would even suggest to you that I don't think this should be even a political issue, right? Shouldn't be. Uh, we're not talking about 401Ks. We're not talking about taxes. We're not talking about military spending. That's not the reason we're talking about this. I don't find any of that necessarily on the pages of the Bible of how much we should spend as a country on the military or how much we should tax or that kind of thing. I do think it talks about life. I do think it talks about being made in the image of God. We'll get there in just a moment. But this should be a moral issue. It should be something that deals with life and death, not just something that people can toss out to try to get elected or to try to keep themselves elected and in a position of power. But yet, that's what it is, right? That's what it's turned into. People just want to say, well, you're on the left or you're on the right, and that's all this is. It's a tool by some people. But that's not what it should be. It's just a political issue. Let me also caution you in this particular point that this ruling, if it happens, doesn't mean that abortion is over. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but I'm just saying it doesn't mean that it will be. See, many people, many Christians might be saying, oh, they're going to change this and it's going to be done with. We don't have to worry about it ever again. That's not true. It may be that most states have laws, and some of them already do, have laws on the books that as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned, then abortion is illegal in that state. But it goes back to the states. It'll still be something that will be talked about in Florida or Texas or California or Tennessee. It'll still be talked about. So before we kind of celebrate and act like, oh, this is going to be the end-all, be-all, and things will be perfect, it won't be. So the part of the discussion is for us to understand that, no, this will not be over. We will still need to be educated. We will still need to talk to people and know what the Bible has to say about these kinds of things. So I'm going to caution you in a minute. I'll probably say it a lot. Before you get in that debate on social media, uh, think about those things because this is what it can become. And when it becomes these things, it's hard to have a discussion about some of these others. So what is it then? Let's talk about that for a few moments. What should this discussion be or, or what is it or what it should be? Number one, it should be about the idea that abortion ends a human life. If you have your Bible, let's look at a few passages. Luke chapter 1 to begin. Sounds weird to say that we're going to have a sermon and no Bible in it, right? But I think you understand uh, how we're going here. But let's talk about it a few, a few moments here. In the other lessons that I've preached on, I referenced those just because I was kind of doing my own history and research. But in those other lessons I preached, we talked about some of these passages. So I don't want to dwell on them, but I think it's important to touch on them. Luke chapter 1 and verse 41. You remember when Mary visits Elizabeth and she goes to the house of Zacharias and greets Elizabeth. Verse 41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, and that's the key word, I don't know if you underline again in your Bible, but that's the key word, brephos, that's the Greek word, brephos. The babe, brephos, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
When we talk about the gospel according to Luke here, and Luke chapter 1, verse 41, we simply notice that this is a living thing, right? I don't even like to use the word thing. This is a living person, human life inside of Elizabeth that is moving, that is reacting to the world around them. Are they unborn? Yes, absolutely. Or in this case, is he, John the baptizer, unborn? Yes, but he is a babe. He is a brephos. We usually then, and I don't know if you make notes out to the side either, but you can go over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 12. <coughs> Excuse me, Luke 2, 12. And this will be the sign to you, talking about Christ being born. You will find a brephos, a babe, wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And you even go down to verse number 16 of Luke chapter 2. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the now born Brephos, babe, lying in a manger. Same word that's used. Jesus, even John the baptizer in the womb. And then this baby, this child outside of the womb. And one more from Luke because it just works so well. Luke chapter 18 and verse 15. Luke chapter 18 and verse 15. We're just emphasizing the fact, of course, that Children, both pre-born or unborn and born, are made by God. We'll get to a couple other passages real quick here in just a moment. Luke 18, 15. Then they also brought infants to Jesus, to him, that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. And you see, then Jesus has this moment to talk about the kingdom of God and the little children. But the word that is used in verse 15 there, you might circle underline it, infants is the same word. Referred to John the baptizer in the womb, Jesus out of the womb, and even infants, children in this particular case. Because they're the same thing in a sense, you're right? I mean, yes, different states, but that's the way God is talking about children. Life begins at conception. At three weeks, we know the heart begins to beat. At six weeks, the brain waves are detectable. At eight weeks, every organ, there are bones and, and, and fingerprints that are there when we can do now so much more. I was even reading or listening to a, a podcast or something this week of someone talking about going back to Roe v. Wade in 1973. Uh, some of you can attest to how far ultrasounds and things have come since 1973 or maybe even before that. And you know how much we know now and how much we can tell about babies in the womb there. A couple of other passages, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. <clears throat> Psalm 139, 13 through 16. You know this because this is one that's often quoted. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all writ were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. And of course, the most powerful one of all to me, I've come to appreciate it even more as I've done some studies of my own in the field of counseling and things, but uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, of course, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When we talk about abortion, we talk about children, babies, we talk about adults, we talk about black people, we talk about white people, we talk about race in this country and everything. 
We are all created in the image of God. And when we remember that, <clears throat> then it changes how we think about things. But we sometimes will make it about one particular issue, maybe racial tension in this country, but not apply it to other things. Created in the image of God. It is wonderful. It is beautiful. And we think about the fact that God has designed us. He's made it in such a way that it is amazing to think about. You know, a, a mother and a father. Uh, think about a baby being born. It's just something that is can only be designed by God as creator. And it's important for us to consider that. Plain and simple, when we talk about abortion, we're talking about ending a human life. And I hope that you understand what I'm saying very clearly. I think we could have a discussion, but I think it's very hard in any way for Christians to support this kind of thing. I know even I shared with you, I saw something this morning as I woke up and got on social media for a couple of minutes. I understand that people are making about women's health care, women's rights, or all of these things, but I think it's very hard. For Christians to support this kind of idea. If you want to have the discussion about ectopic pregnancies or rape or incest, then we can talk about those kinds of things. Because once again, as people want to talk about it, they'll kind of say, look over here. Let's talk about these issues, which are important things. Things that are sinful, things that shouldn't happen. But as we talk about abortion in this country, many politicians, many news outlets, many people would have you believe that that's the, that's the large source of issue. And that's just not true. When it comes to that, there are some things that affect the mother's health, can affect the baby's health. There are issues of rape and incest and that kind of thing. But just to try to make it just about that and forget this overall larger discussion, what this discussion should be about is this kind of idea. And I hope that we remember that. Uh, number two, I think we need to remember that and understand that actions have consequences. When we're talking about abortion in this country, most of the time, I think what we're talking about is the idea that people want to live the way they want to live and make the decisions they want to make and then be able to do away with the consequences, right? Isn't that what it's about? That lesson that's my father-in-law's that I preached about four years ago now entitled God is Pro-Choice when it comes to this particular topic which is brought up in that lesson, the, the point is, is that God is absolutely without a doubt 100% pro-choice, but he's pro-choice that you have a choice whether or not to get involved in that sexual relationship. That's when the choice is made. And what we've done, unfortunately, is we have raised up a society that has chose to have pleasure first. Let me live the way that I want to live. Let me be with who I want to be and let those things happen in that way. And then I want to have the choice to do away with the consequences of that. Folks, I think that's where it becomes very difficult. We live in a pleasure-filled society. And this is what happens when pleasure comes first. When what I want comes first. Because I'll take these actions and I want to be able to do away with the consequences. I think that's part of the discussion that we need to have. Is that hard? Do many people not want to have that discussion? Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, that's kind of what it boils down to for many people. Not every case. There's certainly tragedies like the rape and incest and those kinds of things. Uh, but that's not a lot of it. A lot of it is people who just want to do what they want to do and enjoy themselves and then not deal with the rest. And so I think we need to remember that and kind of try to have that discussion with people if we are able to. So where do we go from here? I think about four points here, and this lesson will be yours. Uh, where do we go from here, or what can I or should I say? 
Number one, we need to remember that nothing has actually happened yet. First of all, the Supreme Court's not made any rulings. That's, that, that leak is supposedly what might happen, and if it happens, we will, praise God, and give thanks that, that something has gone in a way that might change the course of the decisions in this country, but it's not happened yet. And number two, like we said just a moment ago, we need to understand that, that it doesn't mean that this discussion is going to go away that we don't need to be educated and informed and ready to discuss this idea with people. Because, yeah, it's not gone away. It's not going to. There will still be states that are discussing it, uh, and they're certainly within their right from a government state perspective. Um, But we need to remember that nothing's actually happened yet. We're thankful for some good news potentially in this country as we pray for our country to do what's right, and we continue to pray for our leaders. But we need to know that nothing's not actually happened yet. Number two, Uh, Maybe we need to remember to help those who are struggling. You know, one of the things I've heard several preachers remind us of is we do not just need to be uh, pro-birth, but we really need to be pro-life. And that's true. We use that phrase pro-choice, pro-life, but most people will say, well, you guys are just pro-birth. That's it. You know, that's all you care about. Uh, And that doesn't need to be the case. I hope that it's not. We need to be pro-life. We need to be willing to help those uh, who are struggling with these kinds of things, and that deals with the idea of adoption. That, I, that deals with the idea of maybe helping young mothers who are struggling, who know it's going to be a financial struggle. We need to be ready to help those who are struggling. I know that there's a whole discussion around adoption. I know it can be very hard in this country. I know it can be very expensive even in this country, much less if you talk about going overseas. But I do think uh, that we need to be ready. We need to be willing to try to help those who are going through this uh, and who are facing these things. I think sometimes politicians or people who are for abortion will just lob, you know, ideas at Christians without really even being truthful. I mean, I think they will. Oh, you guys don't care. You don't, you don't want to help in any way. And again, maybe there's some truth to that, maybe not. But may we do our best to be ready and open for discussion and to help. Not just discussion to maybe change our mind. I don't mean that. I know we just touched on for a minute what the Bible has to say. But, but I think we need to be ready to have these discussions with people. To, with women who find themselves in these situations. Um, you, you know, there are people, I mentioned Dr. Brad Hare a minute ago. Uh, he's been one, I know he has put it on Facebook a few times. But they've taken groups to abortion clinics in the Nashville area. And, and tried to be outside opening up. Um, discussion, trying to maybe ask women to have a discussion before they go in and commit to this, uh, to doing this, you know, let's talk, we'll try to help you, we'll try to do whatever, you know, maybe we can take that kind of action, going that far, but even if not, be prepared to do that, which even in a mental kind of sense, which, which is why it helps us to be informed, which is number three here on this list. Uh, be informed, not only about what's going on around you, but certainly what God has to say about the matter. Um, whether it's a book, whether it's an article, I can offer you up several things that are in my library or that I've had before. I am not a medical doctor. Most of you are not either. But that doesn't mean that we can't know enough to try to have a discussion about what the Bible has to say about these things. And you may notice that it's underlined and italicized, but be ready to speak. You don't always have to be the first one to speak or the loudest to speak because I'm afraid that's sometimes what happens in our country on social media. We do want to stand up for the truth. We do want to stand up for the truth. But yes, in this country full of vitriol and anger and arguing, we need to be ready. We need to be informed and we need to be prepared. 
And maybe it's not always on social media in front of the world. <laughs> maybe it's the private message, private discussion. Maybe it's the phone call. Maybe it's meeting in person. But we need to be ready to try to talk about these things and reaching out in love. And, of course, finally, though maybe not on social media. I forgot I put that on the slide there. And then finally, and maybe of the utmost importance, sometimes we feel lost. We feel like there's not much we, we can do. We need to pray. We need to pray for these mothers. We need to pray for these people and their choices that they make, as we talked about a moment ago. We need to pray for our leaders of this country. We need to pray for our justices. We need to pray for everyone who might be involved in some way. We need to pray for ourselves. And we just simply need to continue to pray to God that the right decisions will be made among all these things because it is something that's very difficult. It is something that will continue to come up even in political discussions. And, again, this is not exactly a whole lot about it, but as I was listening to preachers kind of give these challenges, and I know it's in the news, I hope that maybe if you knew or you didn't know, maybe you know a little bit more, and you'll take these challenges to heart. Uh, I really mean that because it turns into a political argument, but it shouldn't be because we're talking about life. We're talking about life as God designed it. And may we as Christians take the challenge to reach out to our friends and family in the kind, loving way as best we can. We can't control if they react in anger, but we can do our best to be kind and loving and hopefully go back to what the Bible has to say. We've emphasized it a bunch already today, but on Wednesday nights, what does the Bible have to say about the Lord's Supper? What does the Bible have to say about baptism or the church? Those are important. What does the Bible have to say about life, the sanctity of life, and even this issue of abortion? As we conclude this lesson, we extend heaven's invitation. We usually point out sometimes in a lesson like this, it's a little odd, feels a little different when you kind of extend the invitation after a lesson like that. But the possibility still exists that you were here this afternoon. Maybe it was something that was said this morning in the sermon. Maybe it was something that was discussed in Bible class. Maybe it's simply something that's been weighing on your heart. If you're here this afternoon and you're not a child of God, we'll be singing to encourage you that you'd become a Christian even this day if possible because it's that important. Maybe you're here and you've wandered away. Again, a lesson on abortion, some people say, well, I would never uh, respond because people will think I've been involved in that somehow. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But maybe you just need to change your life, right? whether you want to recommit, whether you want to confess sin before an audience such as this and ask for prayers, or maybe you're just struggling with something else and you need the prayers of the church. We're thankful to be assembled together in order to sing, to encourage one another, and even to pray together. If you need to make a change, would you do so now as we stand together and as we sing?